Welcome, uh, everybody, to episode number eight of the Hockey Toolkit. I am Trevor DiCarlo. Andrew Trimble. Today we are uh, going to be talking about the, the differences between uh, travel hockey uh, and high school hockey, as well as prep school um, and prep hockey. But uh, before we get to uh, go down that uh, avenue there, just want to kind of catch up, see where things at. Coach Trimble, how's, uh, how's things in your world right now? Good. We had a successful weekend. Uh, we only had two games, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, we do have a game on Monday. That's away down in Cape Cod. But uh, the game on Saturday is our annual JBT game. Uh, it's an amazing event here in the Lakes region, New Hampshire. We raised $33,000 for the Cure Starts Now Foundation with our mini shootout that we do every single year. Uh, and it goes, Fantastic. Goes, yeah, it was amazing. It's an awesome night. I mean, there's 500 fans in the building. Uh, it's great. It's awesome. And then we, you know, to benefit too, when the team wins. So we fell down two nothing at the end of the first period. We battled back. We got to three to two. They tied it midway in the third. We held on to overtime. We got a power play at the end of regulation. Uh, so we started the overtime four on three. And Matthias Budina completed the hat trick and won it in overtime. So it was a great, nice. great game uh, here in Laconia. How about yourself, Trevor? Uh, yeah, this, uh, let's see. So we're, it's Sunday night. Uh, we actually, as we talked about in the pre-show, uh, actually played probably the best hockey we've played all season long, despite losing, t- uh, both games. We lost, uh, one yesterday by one. And then today, uh, by two with one of them being an empty netter. But, um, it's like all of a sudden that, that switch kind of turned over for the players. Um, so we don't, Again, it was just out of nowhere. So it, it it was great to finally see a lot of the concepts and a lot of the skills and, and all that stuff that we have been working on start to really kick in. I mean, obviously, we would love to have it kicked in much earlier, but at least we got to see it kick in. Could you say, you know, could so. you say, Trevor, that is it possible your team has nine lives like a cat? They just keep coming I, back. You know what? Well, they they keep showing up despite uh, how the seasons have gone. We've gotten our our rear ends kicked quite a few times. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, again, I, I give the kids credit because today we even played. Uh, we played the third place team in the league. Uh, they flew. Well, they had flown in uh, to play everybody else because they're uh, from quite a few states away. I'm not going to say specifically who because uh, you know a little bit of. Uh, Fun happened today where uh, there's cat size. Yeah, gamesmanship. Uh, I know. I was so pissed. Uh, long story short, we're uh, we're down one nothing going into uh, intermission for uh, the Zam cut, and uh, the ref comes over to me and he just says, "Hey, uh, your goalie might have uh, he goes might not be wearing the correct cage." And I was like, well, "What do you mean? I mean, I've seen the kid the whole time, you know." I've been coaching him all year. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, I think he's got, uh, he goes, the other team told me, the coach asked me to check, and he goes, I, you know, I'm looking, and I think his cat, he's wearing cat eyes, you know, the ones that aren't certified. And I'm like, what? They, they asked you? Now, a little bit of backstory here. These coaches, they're from out of state. Because we had a team drop out of the league at, like, almost, like, at the last hour, even, at, not even at the last hour, it was well past last hour. So we had to scramble, try and find ice. I mean, I had to go to a different club to buy ice from them just to try and fit these guys' schedule in. And again, I'm the one who's doing all this work. They're not even really helping me whatsoever. So anyhow, but it is what it is. You know, it's just part of the gig. Um, 
you know, we've played them two other times. Very cordial with the coaches. We talk about playing other teams, this and that. They ask about, you know, just the area, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm on good terms with him. We talked to him. I mean, I talked to him before the game, and we talked about some stuff. And uh, long story short, I'm like, I look at the ref, and I go, they asked for that? Like, they asked for you to check that? And he goes, yeah, they did. Now my goalie's on a heater right now. Again, so we're down only one goal. Um, he's playing fantastic hockey. And I'm like, those sons of, you know. So I, <laughs> we go over. And I, I asked him, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, is what is your cage? You get is that certified? And he goes, no. I go, how long have you been wearing it? Well, it's only been a couple weeks, so that's why I didn't really notice it. Um, luckily, he had his backup, uh, the at least the cage portion on. So you know, ref comes over, brings his rule book over in the locker room between periods, and I walk by their coaches, and they don't even look at me, like they don't <laughs> say anything to me. And I'm like, what is? Like, all of a sudden, like, you guys have already made the playoffs. We're not making the playoffs. We're not knocking you really down anything. So, it was like, it was a 180. And, again, all we did was play quality hockey, and we just, they couldn't score. So, um, I ended up, uh, yeah, I was I was pissed. My team was pissed. Luckily, he got it, he was able to switch it. But I had to burn a timeout coming out of the intermission just so that he could have a few, like, an extra minute. And the refs knew, the, the main official, he knew what was going on. Like, yeah. he he was just kind of, like, couldn't believe that the coach pulled this, too. Especially, he goes, but he he's like, he goes, I know. He goes, and now that I know, I have to call. I'm like, I get that. I respect that. So, anyhow, we end up, uh, when, like I said, we lost 3-1 with an empty netter. Kids played fantastic. Uh, going through the handshake line, um... You know, one of their kids is, we're going through, you know, good game. I'm just saying, hey, good game. You know, safe travels. Well, one of their kids, like, comes over, like, is he skating through? And he goes, oh, hey, coach, number so-and-so. You know, he just, he's running his mouth. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, I honestly don't care at this point. Like, I just, I'm pissed off that you guys would even do this. Because they weren't, I don't think they were expecting him to come back in. Yeah. So, because who carries around the other part of their cage? Sure. It's legal, you know? So, long Story even uh, longer. Um, <laughs> so, the one of their coaches who I never even have talked to. So, out of all the three times we've talked, like well, played them and seen them, never seen this guy. Just goes, uh, yeah, you guys. Um, he goes, yeah, well, your number so and so was running his mouth, and I looked at him. I go, I go, you know what? I don't care. And he goes, oh, well, that's that's great. I go, you know what? If you wouldn't have, you know, looked at the gamesmanship, you know, with the goalie, I get it. You know, like, did you really have to call that out at this point? Or was that just because you were, it wasn't a safety issue. And he was like, oh, well, what do you mean? I go, it, he, he was playing really well. And you're trying to throw him off in the game. I go, I'm like, just get out of here. Like, when then the guy starts running in his mouth and then the kids are running their mouths at me. And I'm not going to yell at the kids. Like, I'm not, you know, six, 15, six-year-olds, I'm not talking to him. I'm going to be the, the adult here. But he's just like, you know, this, this, and that. And I was just like, you know what, dude? Like, it's it's gamesmanship. What the? Like, get out of here. Like, you know what? Everything, you know, the whole thing was just a complete shit show on their part. Yeah. Uh, and the refs, I mean, the refs kind of like, kind of got in between. But they talked to me afterwards. And like, like, you know, it sucks. It's stupid. And they were telling me like, what would make it? Cert- I'm like, I know. Okay. Like, there are certified versions out there. But long story short, yeah, that was, uh, I was just fuming after that. And I was just pissed off i talked to the head coach after the game you know i pulled him aside and i said look i chewed out my you know i chewed out the kid you know i told him it wasn't acceptable for what he was saying and he wasn't saying anything terrible but again he was as i said he just said you know hey thanks for uh, you know really trying to screw with our goalie there 
Um, and he was a passionate kid, but I told him, like, hey, that's not acceptable. You shouldn't be talking to coaches like that. Just, we lost the game. Game's over. Just get through the handshake line. We can be pissed in the locker room, right? And, but I told him, I said, I go, you know what, though? I go, I don't care for, you know, you guys doing that stuff with, uh, you know, the goalie's mask and this and that. And he just, like, he doesn't, he never he doesn't even acknowledge that he they did it. Yeah. And I'm just, like, he never even, like, won't even say yes, no. Like, his facial expression, like, he would be a perfect witness for your like defense because like the yeah, prosecuting attorney be like oh yeah did this happened he just like sit there with a blank stare and like not deer and like, headlights you wouldn't even tell yeah <laughs> so i was just like i was like you know what you know good luck the rest of the season and you know i know you're in the playoffs this and that way you know, safe travel so you're just uh, like yeah so you know, like, that kind of stuff it's like you're such a square like just like to some right like just go out and win the game like stop like making it a you know punishing a kid you know his parents know right. he bought it like it's not the, the likelihood that a negative thing could happen with a fraction of a centimeter on a, on a cat side. Like it's nothing, but you know what you're doing. If right. you're the coach, if you, if you call that for sure. And again, I had a couple things I could have called. I could have easily been like, Hey, okay, well, if we're going to play that game, uh, can we check and make sure every kid's got a legal, you know, neck guard on or, you know, their mouth guards in their mouth, their entire, you know, game. Marty McSorley stick gonna... rule, you know, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or Jason Spetz where he's stomping on it as he's, you know, coming off the ice. Like, I'm not going to get into that. I, I just feared. Okay. That guy's a bookworm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> come on, dude. We're, we're playing a game. We're just like the kids playing lights out. You guys are doing really well. I mean, my team's playing very well. And then for you to pull that stuff, you guys are already in the playoffs. You're one of the top teams in the league. And then you've got to do that just because you're not getting what you expected to get out of this game. Like, just blow off. Like, whatever. And, again, you know, one of their kids chirped. He's like, hey, we'll see you guys in the playoffs. Oh, wait, that's right. You're not in the playoffs. And I'm just like, I'm not going to even stoop to this level. Like, I give you that. Coach mouths off of kids, but then I would I wouldn't even respect myself if I did that. So, but anyhow, the boys overall. I mean, that's only like the second time I've had a spat with a coach in probably the last ten years. Um, I don't even know who he was. He could have been like the video coach or something. If they have one, I mean, they they come with a whole entourage because they're coming from out of state. But uh, <laughs> you know, again, after the game, I tried to be the better person after the game as they were coming through. You know, like hey, talking to their kids because they had to come by us, and I could see those kids as they were. They were looking down the hallway like, oh, oh shit, I got to walk by their coaches now who we just, you know, had this big, did this stupid thing to them. My coaches did this stupid thing. And then, you know, we had this altercation with, you know, verbal altercation. Again, the kids came by and I'm like, hey, good game. Good luck the rest of the way. Safe travels. Like, and some of them you could see like, oh, he's not going to like, you know, and I did. I found the kid who had said something to me in the line about one of my teammates or the, not my teammates, one of my skaters running his mouth and I just said, Hey, you know, hey, you were you were the kid, right? And he goes, Yeah. I was like, you know, hey, I talked to my my skater. That wasn't appropriate. So I, I addressed it, you know, and, you know, good luck the rest of the way, this and that. And he kept, you know, okay, okay. Like, you know, they were but I never saw the coach after that, the other one. And I I don't know what if hiding. I probably would have said to him. Hiding with his yeah, computer he, and book Yeah. Looking up new He roles. made a beeline. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah what else can we get for the next one? But yeah, it was a good weekend for the boys good. and uh, and girls. So it was yeah. So I was very happy. Again, I, as I told them, I go, you know what? I don't care that we lost. I, this is was the best effort overall, best team play. We started seeing stuff. I was like, this is gonna be the shortest post game speech I have, which they should all be short anyways. But yeah, so that was it. That was my weekend. Uh, things have been going well there. Um, and then uh, yeah, just kind of floating around. Uh, 
just taking it easy. So well, that's good. That's a good. Sounds like a team trending in the right direction, which is always what you want to have as you get closer to the end of the season, whether you're in the playoffs or not. You want your team playing their best hockey at the end of the year. That's a showing of growth. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. And that brings us to our, our bigger topic for the day: discussing, which I've had a lot of. You know, I've had a lot of people ask. You know, what's the best route? You know, and there's high school hockey, there's prep school hockey, there's U18 or U16 full season hockey, there's junior hockey, and they all kind of overlap at cer- at a certain point in your career. And it can be really confusing. Um, so we want to dive in and kind of give some give some light and clarity about to each situation. And then we have a great guest on uh, later, Coach Mike Messer of Bridgeton Academy, and he can discuss his, he's going to discuss his unique program up in northern Maine. But Trevor, let me ask you, uh, you know, the kids that you come in contact with for the most part, um, what uh, what are their, their preferred route? If they could choose any route to getting on the college hockey, what do they want to go through? Uh, you know, to get to college hockey, I mean, out here, you know, the preferred route would be going through, um, would be going to juniors, obviously. I mean, I mean, most of them would love to just go straight to college hockey, but as you and I know, at the you know the actual NCAA Division one and three, um, very few and far. I mean, if you're going at eighteen to D one, you're basically a draft NHL draft prospect. Uh, you see very few eighteen year olds in D three just because you know. So, but most of them, you know, they want to go the uh, junior route. I mean, uh, they also you know play. That's why they're playing club. Um, but that being said, we do have some that do go to, um, you know, some of the topper high school programs in the state and play for those programs too. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, uh, and, and those 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 routes all overlap each other, and they're they're kind of confusing sometimes. And every kid's situation is different. Uh, one kid might not be really strong academically, might need a year where he can take some college credits to boost his overall GPA, might needs to take his SATs again. Uh, so every situation is different. But did you know, uh, in in some of the recent stuff that has been online by either uh, Glenn Heffernan or by Jeff Nygaard a couple of years ago, he did some stuff on NCAA Division One commitments outside of the USHL and and the North American Hockey League. Where do the vast majority of NCAA Division One commitments come from? Uh, I feel like I know the answer now because of uh, where uh, <laughs> what we've discussed. But uh, outside of those two, I would say probably prep school. No, actually, it's U eight U sixteen full season hockey. U sixteen triple A is the third behind the USHL. The NA will be U sixteen full season. That's in. So we say in the U.S. So we're saying that that's where the commitments are coming from. I mean, they clearly can't be jumping right from 16U to college. No, that's where the commitments are coming from. So they. Oh, okay. Yeah, so all they, right. I misunderstood the question. That's okay. You know, we'll I'm edit that out. So I sound you. smarter. I'm not take it personal. No, that's all right. Well, I can edit it out. And make me sound smarter. <laughs> make me sound smarter. Yeah. You know, a lot of those kids they make that commitment at 16, and then they're given a path to go on to, you know, the BCHL right. or the North American League or the USHL or whatever team owns their rights. But uh, the third most commitments at the Division One level comes out of U16 full season hockey. And then you do see some high school hockey, but that's really Minnesota high school hockey, which is very different right. experience than what we have out east here. And then out east, you do hear, see you know, a decent amount of U18. And then you do see a lot of kids in prep school who um, – yep. but you see a lot of those – in prep school ones are really high-end academic achievers who may go to an Ivy League school. Um, because of their academic standards. So every kid's a little bit different. Um, 
Now, navigating out east here with high school hockey is really tough because it's a shortened season. It's only 18 or 20 games. It's only about three months long. And when you're looking at a U16 full season team, that's somewhere in the ballpark of 60 games or 55 games. And then it's eight months of training. Junior hockey is similar to that. Um, what do you have out out west, out out in the out in the Chicago area? How long is a high school season? How long is a comparable U16 or U18 season? So, I mean, as I've said this before, um, probably not on the this on the podcast, but I mean, I tell others we, I feel like we do it backwards um, because right now our our club hockey. Um, U six the sixteen you know U sixteen U four fifteen and U eighteen, they all compete basically during the same time as the high schools. Um, in most programs, you have to choose one or the other, especially if you're going to one of the top uh, high schools in the area. We've got a lot of like Chicago Catholic League schools, which are still up there, but not as much as um, we've got some others like Loyola Academy, Saint Viator, um, you know Stevenson High School. So some of these other some are preps, some are just public high schools themselves, but, um, you know, it's one or the other. So we don't really have the, okay, we're going to shut down our club season now, um, you know, from here to here so that you can go play for your high school. Uh, it's more or less, you've got to choose one or the other, which I think is, it's not right because I think it's high school hockey in general um, provides such a great atmosphere. I mean, again, you know, the model is we'll I'm sure both will agree is what Minnesota does. They they do it just it's a completely different beast. It's a completely different atmosphere. Um, you know, being able to play in front of like granted it's Minnesota, so that's really not much a whole lot you can do in the winter, so you go and watch the hockey games, right? But that's the what I think is the right and the best model. Um, that's my opinion. Uh, there's no actual scientific stats behind that, but yeah, here in the Midwest, just to kind of go back to your question, not veer off too far, it's one or the other. And they both start around the same time. Um, we have to, they've had to implement rules on when tryouts can be because one group would try to have a tryout before the other. Um, so it basically got to the point where neither team could have or hold their own tryouts for their teams until a certain point. So it's really hectic. There's a lot of chaos behind it right now. Um, it's not the best. It, it could be a lot better for the kids. But right now, like here in the Midwest, in Illinois at least, um, they butt heads. They combined. Um, so what about uh, over here on the East Coast? Yeah, so the East Coast is, is similar, um, you know, especially here in New England where you have you know a lot of full season, U16, U18, and those kids generally choose those pathways if it's at a high level, a triple A level, rather than playing for their high school. And that's created kind of a, um, you know, a watered down effect at the high school level where you have a lot of kids who probably shouldn't be playing as much as they should, or maybe they're younger players uh, getting a more regular shift than they would be, uh, you know, 10 years ago or 15 yeah. years ago. Um, next stat for you. The next question. Okay. Okay. All right. So we talked about NCAA division one commitments. NCAA Division II and Division Three commitments. Where do the majority of those kids come from? Uh, I'm still going to go with the USHL NA, um, and then I'm going to follow into. Uh, I'm sure it'll probably be this, you know, 16U, 18U. But I would say the league uh, wise, I would say for sure the EHL leads the way. Yeah. So Division Two and Division Three commitments. 
Uh, the vast majority co come out of junior, about 95, 96, 77 percent comes out of junior. There's some prep school kids who do make it onto NCAA rosters. You know, you'll have the one or two outliers a year who come right from high school hockey um, that make an NCAA roster at the Division Two or Division Three level. There was one at Revere this year. We were talking to him. He's from here in New Hampshire, Carter Poolin, and I think he's doing okay. And there was another down at yeah. Nichols College. Uh, Alex Gasick is the coach down there, and um, he he made it as a freshman out of Rhode Island High School. Um, but, it, you know, every program is different. You get into the higher Division Three, like in, in the SUNYAC or – uh, you know, in the NESCAC and there's a lot of different standards and a lot of older kids who are playing at that level. So you really, you do see a lot of uh, North American hockey league players who are making division two and division three rosters. The EHL accounts for about one in every five freshmen. So about 25% or 20% of all NCAA division two or division three players come out of the EHL. And then the USPHL yes. premier has a lot of, a lot of kids too. And the, and the NCDC, the NCDC, you know, they like the, and I'm going to, call them out now they like to pump their tires a little bit and say they have a lot of division one commitments but the vast majority of their no. it is it's the mostly division yeah, two we know and division i mean three <laughs> yeah we know i having written about it and all that stuff and then you got as you mentioned jeff nygaard you know he put out a great uh you know informal but from formal uh statistics about where they're coming from and yeah it's I, you and I read the same stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of funny how it's like, oh, we're doing this, this, and then it's like, well, just because the kid played one game for your league doesn't mean, <laughs> you know. And then he went to somewhere else that was, you know, maybe a better fit. But that's we don't have to beat those guys up too bad. This one, so. Um, oh, I think that raises a good question for you know a lot of parents out there. You know, they want to see that their kids get onto onto college hockey. That's the, that's the goal. Yes. When they see him, when they see him start playing hockey and they're dreaming of playing for, you know, the, the big hockey schools when they're a mite and how, how do you get them there? And I think the, the path really, every kid is different. Every kid is different. Um, academics have to be a priority. Uh, you, you will not get into college hockey if you are not academically eligible to play college hockey. And if the more you, successful you are academically, the more opportunities you're going to have. So, you know, Absolutely. if if you uh, have a you know bottom end GPA and you struggle with your SATs, when you're only going to have a handful of schools that you could even get into, and now do they even right. have a hockey program? Do they even like you as a hockey player? So you really got to make yourself more attractive to colleges by doing well academically. And I think that that fits into that question of: Am I a prep school kid? Do I want that academic route? Do I need that academic support? And if you're doing well and you don't need that. Then maybe a U16 or U18 full season that transitions later into junior hockey is the path for you. Uh, I know that you know looking at you know down the road for my kid if he if he decides to play hockey in two or three years, you know we'll probably play travel all the way up to that U14 season and then we'll have to make that decision. But I'm not going to think too right. far ahead. We're just going to like have fun, play it. You don't get too worried about it, and see where it takes him. So what is a typical you know, and again, when we talked with Mike, when we're talking about prep schools, what age groups are we really talking about here? Because, you know, you hear about some prep schools that are legitimately from freshman year to senior year, where we've also talked with in the past, um, you know, we've had a couple guests who talked about, well, I just basically did an extra year after senior year of high school. So when we talk about prep school, um, is there a difference? Is there, is there not? Um, you know, again, for myself, I'm genuinely curious too how it works out, especially on the East Coast, because this is where you see a lot more of those, 
you know, post senior year, uh, you know, an extra year of basically schooling. So I don't know if you can maybe give us a little bit more of a education on that. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So prep school is, it's really just like a traditional high school, except there's generally smaller class sizes that cost money, a lot of money to go to. And the, uh, that I know. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not that I, cause I went, but <laughs> me either. But the, um, and then, you know, there's a, there's a real commitment to the, uh, the athletic portion of their, uh, of their calendars. So, um, you know, it's really from kids who are 14 into 19 years old. They can actually repeat in postgraduate uh, a year after high school if they want to, keep, you know, make, you know, make themselves more academically attractive to colleges. Um, and that's, I think, where the tough, tough place for a lot of kids is. So, you know, we have we have a number of kids who are really attracted to go to prep schools, but they may have played in our, our 14s or 15s program and they make that jump too early. And now they're competing against a 19 year old who's a man and they're a skilled player, but they're not going to get the ice time. They would, if they were playing U 16 hockey or U 15 hockey, or even U 18 in some instances. So I think every kid is different. You really have to judge your kid, judge what, uh, what he's able to do. And then, um, then consider all the other circumstances like the academics and the, uh, you know, the campus life and things like that. Now, one thing about prep schools that's interesting and a lot of, a lot of prep schools make you do this is they make you play three sports. So, uh, you know, we've had a number of kids come into our program and uh, they want to play a split season hockey in the fall for, you know, the Wolves and they're at Tilton or New Hampton or they're at Holderness, um, but they got to play soccer. And they're like, I don't, I don't play soccer, but I'm just sitting on the bench because I got to play a spring, a fall sport. And I got to play, you know, I'm going to do weightlifting in the spring just to make sure I stay in shape for hockey. So, you know, like I said, there, right. there is a commitment to the school there that's a little bit different than if you were to play 16s or 18s. And then certainly the age gap is, is more magnifiable, certainly at the, uh, at the, right. at the prep school level. So what would you, and again, um, you know, as we, we've had good discussions with some of the players that we've had on the past, what is it typically your post senior year called? What do you is that, you know, what's your, the terminology that you guys use for that? They generally call that like either repeating, a, repeating their se- senior season or a postgraduate year. Okay. So postgraduate year. And now, out in the prep schools, especially again on the East Coast, do they, when you're talking like, you know, do freshmen potentially like in a 14, 15 year old, um, can they play up against those post, uh, sorry, post senior graduates or are they in their own kind of like, is there an actual post senior uh, league? No, there's a varsity. How does that There's work? a varsity and generally there's either a JV or a varsity B, they call it. And, uh, okay. You know, it's a really a struggle for that 14 or 15 year old kid who's not physically mature to compete against an 18 or 19 year old who's play, already played four years right. in high school hockey. So um, that that's where you oftentimes see that, you know, a kid can you can kind of be setting up your kid for a real tough year sometimes if you send them too early to the prep school. Uh, and what we've experienced, too, is that you know a lot of kids who do play that varsity B or that JV, it's oftentimes it's coached by a teacher and it's more like an intramural program. So. They're always generally looking for more ice time, like whether it be a you know on a split season team or a 16s team where they can fill in some games because it's not the same as playing on the varsity team. With we're talking again, you mentioned a few different um, East Coast teams, uh, prep schools that you guys have players in. What is the difference, I guess you'd say then, between the prep school of like that group and compared to say Shattuck St. Mary's, which I think is one of the more well known. I guess private schools as well, but more well-known hockey powerhouse, you know, prep schools. 
Um, is there a difference? Is there not any difference? You know, do I don't know if they do like a post senior season in, at Shattuck, but yeah, I'm not certain if they do a post senior season either. But that's more of an academy model, which you, we've really seen pop up. You know, following the the, the suit of uh, of Shattuck St. Mary's, you've seen Elite Hockey Academy, which is in Connecticut. You've seen uh, Bishop Kearney. You've seen Cyclones Academy here in New Hampshire or uh, Seacoast mm-hmm. Performance Academy. Our Wolves program has an academy where we have kids who do their online schooling here at the rink, and then they're on the ice during the day. Um, and those are great in terms of their hockey development. If a kid can handle an online academic component, um, and you know, all our kids with the COVID year have some experience with it. And, yeah, that's <laughs> the norm. Yeah, and if a kid, sadly. if a kid can handle it now, instead of doing my schoolwork during the day, if I can be on the ice for an extra two or three hours, you know, some of our athletes, we had a kid, Dima Nahorny from Belarus, who uh, I think a couple of times here I slept in, in the rink and he was on the ice with like every team <laughs> getting 20 or 30 hours of practice a week. He seemed like he would just jump on. They, oh, Dima's here for practice. Great. Well, right. put him on the fifth line. No, no, put him on the first line, whatever. You know, it's like, so kids can really get a lot of ice time in those academy programs and you'll see a huge jump in their, on ice abilities, but if they can't handle it academically, then it's not the right fit. Right. So there is a difference between an academic or an academy and a, you know, post or as a, a prep school. That is what you're saying. Yeah. And those, those academies like Shattuck and Bishop Kearney, you know, they're playing a traditional 16s or 18 schedule. So they're playing 60 games, 70 games. They're right. on my hockey rankings. They're competing for nationals. Culver's like that too, out, out in Indiana, Culver. Indiana. Yep. So they're a different beast. Um, how they would stack up against uh, like a powerhouse here at prep in New England, uh, like a Kimball Union or a Cushing, it'd be a good game. I mean, they would, they would, they would, they would, you know, it would be a a really good game, but they would be a little bit different. Aid one team would be older, and one team would be a little bit younger. Okay, yeah, because again, I mean, that's even for myself. You know, I I never just going through some of our episodes already, especially with players we've talked about. You know, their post senior years. I mean, I knew that it was big on the East Coast, and I remember about reading more about it, like in lacrosse of all sports, that parents were like holding their kids back purposely and then sending them to like a prep school before they sent them to college so that they could be, you know, one of the older kids, kind of like how they, you know, we do it with juniors, so it's a little bit different, yeah. but they get those extra two years. But again, I never understood outside of, you know, like, okay, like how are the mighty ducks kids? How are they playing in Minnesota? You know, what is that relative out here? I mean, (laughs) here in Illinois, we only have Lake forest Academy that I can think of off the top of my head, which has its own um, like Academy slash prep like team. And they they do have like a varsity team as well. Uh, But the other closest one that again, I can think of is Culver and that's growing up. It was always Culver Academy, this Culver Academy, that, you know, so I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. So Shattuck, Culver, and that was like all I knew. And then, but, you know, like you'd hear about like Thayer Academy yep. where Ronick and Amante went to. Um, and that is an academy, not a prep school, correct? No, Thayer is a prep school. So they're – um. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're playing – you know, probably Jeremy Ronick was on like the soccer team or something too, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's <laughs> some wild, so things, wild yeah. stories of that. But, he, you know, the prep schools play traditionally between a, you know, 20 to 30 game schedule. Uh, it starts in, in early November. That's when they have their tryouts, and it goes all the way till uh, early March, whereas you know those academy programs start in really in September and go a little bit later, all the way to the Nationals. Like if you go for U18 Nationals, I remember one year I was out in Pittsburgh scouting that, and it was Culver, and the team Wisconsin was in the finals. 
something like that. Okay. So Culver was, yeah. you know, even though it's a, that's a school, there was a physical school there. They're actually competing for the USA Hockey Nationals at the 18th level. Right, right. Yeah, I think actually, I don't think Ronick played a full, like, uh, clearly. I mean, I know he went to the queue after, uh, I think even before he was drafted, but, uh, and then right to the Blackhawks. But uh, <laughs> it's still some, some touchy subject for some people sure. for uh, him seeing him leave. But you know, that, that's always the, 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 the other thing, too, on, on that end of that. Um, you know, and the reason why the numbers in the EHL are certainly so high for Division Two and Division Three commitments is because if a kid isn't a Division One kid, when they graduate at the prep school level, um, if he's not a Division One kid and he's not his rights aren't owned in the NA or the USHL, you know, the, the vast majority of college hockey is right here on the East Coast, especially at Division Two and Division Three, and right. when you're playing in a league like the EHL or the USPHL or the NCDC or whatever it may be. Um, college coaches really want to see you competing at that point against people of equal size and age and ability. So seeing a postgraduate kid oftentimes, sometimes against a 14-year-old, that, that's not what they want to see. They want to see a 19-year-old competing against a 20-year-old, 20 versus 20. Um, right. And that's where Bridgeton Academy is kind of unique. They're all postgraduate kids, uh, and they play a U18 schedule, or they play junior teams. So they're not playing a lot of the traditional preps, or and they're not playing any 16th teams. So that makes Bridgeton kind of a unique part of that space. Well, when we uh, take a listen here to our uh, interview with uh, Coach Mike over in uh, Bridgeton. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Coach Mike Messerv of Bridgeton Academy. Uh, Coach runs a great program out in northern Maine. Uh, with a lot of postgraduates in his program. And we're going to discuss on this segment uh, the difference between prep school hockey, high school hockey, and junior hockey, and give some clarification to some of our listeners at home of what prep school hockey is all about. So welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you guys for having me. Truly an honor to be here. Really appreciate it. <laughs> so, Coach, if you can just run me through a little bit what the model is at Bridgeton Academy. It's kind of a special situation you guys have up in northern Maine. And uh, for the listeners at home, it would be great to give some light on what uh, what you guys are all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Bridgeton started out about a little over 200 years ago, 1808. was a traditional prep school like almost every other one in New England. Um, 1960s, well before I was born, thank God, um, Bridgeton made a change <laughs> to become the only a one-year all-male postgraduate school in the country. And what, what that basically means is about 99% of our student body, a little different every year, um, has already graduated high school, primary school, and they come to Bridgeton for that true gap year. Um, and, you know, we, we run a really different program because, one, we have an older campus, but, two, what we want to do is we want guys to be able to experience a college-like model um, with, with structure provided and, and things like that, but we want them to experience what a college campus is going to look like for them, both, you know, academically, um, athletically, socially in the dorms, on campus. Um, there's, it, it's a really great place to work and it's a great place to uh, develop and grow in, in multitude of areas because the program is different for every individual. So, um, but, I, you know, I, I love working here and teaching here. It's, um, you know, the most rewarding I've experienced I've had in my uh, education career and hockey career has been these last 15, 16 years. So. 
That's great. Now, you know, what other routes you could take in terms of junior hockey earlier or playing youth full season U18 later? Like what, uh, what makes Bridgeton, you know, the ideal route in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, it's not another year of high school one. If, if someone came to Bridgeton and they just talked about hockey, 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 I think that this isn't the right route for you. Um, What we see from a, you know, from data is that especially in males about, 50% or sometimes more that go directly from high school directly to college do not graduate. And certainly there's a, there's a big indicator there that says that it's a skills based a lot of times organization, time management, attention to detail, um, just problem solving in general. And I think what I said before is that, you know, COVID definitely played a factor on eliminating a lot of those things because guys didn't have to do that during some of the COVID academic years. Um, so for Bridgeton, what we want to target is, you know, we always say it's for college and beyond. Um, some of the lessons you get here, certainly you're going to come in and be a better student. Certainly you're going to come in, you're going to be bigger, stronger, faster, and a better hockey player. Um, but that maturity, things that maybe a lot of 18-year-old males don't see, um, their parents do, I think. Um, but that maturity, the time management, that problem solving that I talked about is really the growth here. Um, to help build confidence in these guys, not just as learners, but also as as young men and, and men in some cases. So um, I think Junior Roots is, a, is an outstanding route as well. Um, it's it's just what they need to live on their own. You know, for us, it's we have six dormitories. Every dormitory is supervised by a dorm family um, faculty that, you know, kind of supervises that dorm and both socially and dorm checks and helping them through navigate the whole dorm process, which we've also seen from talking to some universities that a lot of the young men going to college have never had to learn to live with somebody to have a roommate to, you know, maybe turn their own vacuum on, you know, things like that, which, you know, anything that can help alleviate stress and anxiety, we want to try to help these guys. And if that drops that anxiety and stress and, and it, it, it helps them have a better experience. So. You know, that's, that's, that's a great point you brought up because, you know, when, when we're recruiting a player, you know, it's not just about the hockey the hockey, obviously they're there because they want to play hockey, but it's, it's the maturation of a kid as they get into, into a four-year school. And so often we see kids that, uh, you know, if they go right to college, they're not going to be successful in college. They're not socially and academically ready to do it. Um, so by playing hockey and doing something that they're passionate about and building relationships, maybe taking a couple of college credits. Now we're finding like, we have a kid who's in our program for two or three years. It's a completely different human being and they're ready to conquer the world. What, um, what do you find is the biggest jump you see in a kid in that 10 month span or a nine month span when they're with your program? Yeah. I mean, certainly, I mean, I, w- I wish I could tell you there's one route cause every kid gets something different. Um, you know, we have kids that, you know, we have a full-time strength and conditioning coach. He's a faculty member at this campus. He's available all day. Some kids come in here with zero training on nutrition and actual fitness and things like that. So you see kids make those sort of jumps there. Um, you have kids that have dealt with the MCAST and different standardized testing their entire, um, you know, academic career that have never really learned how to be a student, how to advocate um, I think that's as a, the teacher in me of what I see is the guys who build confidence that actually realize that they are pretty smart people. They, their processes are how they process is different 
um, compared to some classmates, but they're not dumb. They, they have the ability um, to be successful, to, to have their own thoughts, to support those thoughts, to, you know, actually get something out of the academic process. Um, and it's, you know, you said it's, it's, it's amazing over that eight month period that we offer um, two semesters of academics that kids will go home for break and have a conversation of something they learned in school. And at graduation, you see parents in tears because the kid is excelled in areas that he just wasn't able to. And, and again, it's, uh, I think public schools do an outstanding job, um, you know, but as someone who taught public school, you know, I had 25, 30 kids in a class, some, some classes and at Bridgeton, you're looking at eight to 15, 16 kids in the class. So as a, as a teacher, you know, I, I love it because I know my learners. I know what works for them. I, I don't teach to a standard. I teach for what my kids need. And we say, I think the, I guess the big part for me is that we build an academic toolbox for what a kid needs. And if that's a, you know, a way to write papers or we have an academic support center like most colleges and university has that, that does everything from helping kids who have IEPs and 504s to kids who just want a paper edited or I don't know how to write a thesis or I'm feeling stressed and overloaded with my academics. And once they kind of figure out that route that makes them successful, they take off. Um, so it is, it is great because we see kids hit all sorts of academic milestones here that, you know, as everything from a kid who qualifies to go to a, a Princeton or an Ivy league school to a kid who actually gets acceptances in the college and, and is successful for the first time. So. That's really cool. That's really cool. Now, a hockey question for you. Uh, what do you see in your, you know, you're a longtime coach. What do you see in the biggest change in the game in the last, in your time in coaching? What is the biggest transition, uh, biggest jump in the game? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I always tell the guys, my first year playing mites, and I'm, I'm getting old now as I realize I'm saying this, is I played with a half shield my first year in mites. So <laughs> I don't know if that made my parents really cool or bad parents. I'm not sure. So, um, but I think the one part is that, you know, there, there's the biggest jump is the level of competition. Now I think it's, you know, the, there's a thousand kids that have hockey talent, but there's not a thousand kids that have the effort and attitude to utilize that talent effectively. Um, and, you know, my recruiting questions, when I talk to coaches, when I talk to, teachers or whoever we talk to about the kid is it's you know what kind of kid is he is he is he a team player does he have a good attitude is he coachable what's his effort like in the classroom what's his attendance like um those sorts of things are starting to matter to help um you know differentiate between kids who want the same thing and you know there's there's a lot of guys who can skate like the wind and and shoot the puck and you know beautiful goaltending technique but if they're just not a good strong worker and a good teammate the the next step is is almost impossible um and i think that's something we have the availability because our our season runs from august till march on ice and you see guys that the light bulb comes on it clicks and it's like i need to work harder or i have to show up five minutes earlier or you know um, i need to pick my own locker up those little attention to detail things I think is, is probably the the hardest for a lot of our guys to grow. And, you know, I, I think that's the, you know, the secret to it is that the, the development is not your skill development. A lot of time it's your attitude and your effort. So. That's great. 
Uh, Trevor, what do you got for coach? With uh, Can you explain like the day in the life of a typical uh, student within your program right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Bridge, Bridgeton still, you know, our basketball team is excellent, still plays in the prep school league. Um, so our school follows kind of a, a hybrid of prep school athletics, but academically, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, the academic day runs from 8 o'clock to about 2.50. Wednesday, the day runs from 8 o'clock till noon. The time in between, I think the biggest thing, and I, I know that some of the guys struggle with this is when they take their four classes and those four classes meet four times a week out of a five day academic week. Some days they have all four of their classes. Other days they have one or two classes. So during that downtime and, and, you know, from experience and from, you know, talking to colleges and university, that downtime becomes a big, big, big problem for some kids. And for some kids, it becomes an absolutely incredible time for them to succeed so we try to utilize their downtime you know if we play in a tournament we have four games over a weekend and a kid has an 8 a.m class on monday and he doesn't have an 11 to 11 a.m his next class that downtime could be used like geez i just need a nap or you know my my hip flexors are tight i really need to see our athletic trainer and our athletic trainer is available you know all day as well for individual appointments and treatments um, like I said, with our strength coach is also available to help with everything from stretching to different types of things. So we want those guys to use that downtime um, to be successful. And, and as a teacher and as a coach, a lot of times it's, you know, you need to go get a paper edited or, hey, it's great that you're going to get a paper edited. Um, every student here is also assigned a college counselor that kind of takes over as a, a parent that once they apply to schools, the, the college counselor gets all the paperwork, all the references, test scores, everything sent out to the schools so the parents don't have to worry about it. So the downtime, it, it can be as busy as they need, but it also can be a time to, you know, like I said, go back and get a nap or grab a snack in the dining hall. Or And one of the perks for us is with the rink on campus here, the students have access to that rink during the day if they want to go out and get a skill session in with the coaching staff or Maybe they get a new pair of skates. They want to skate and try to break it in and shoot around a little bit. Because we're an older campus, we have the availability to offer that to our guys. And, and our rink staff and coaching staff does an exceptional job uh, making sure those guys are certainly being safe but being productive when they go out there. But um, hockey-wise, at the end of the day, um, we're on the ice anywhere between five and six days a week, depending on our game schedule. Uh, all of our athletics follow an NCAA model, which basically means for every six days of practice or games, you have to have a seventh day off for recovery. All of our athletics follow an NCAA model, which basically means for every six days of practice or games, you have to have a seventh day off for recovery. Um, but traditionally, if we play just a, say a Saturday, Sunday, we probably will have a Monday will be an off day or a strength and conditioning stretching day. Um, but we will practice usually from 3.30 till um, anywhere between, you know, 5 and 5.30 because we have so much ice available to us. Wednesdays, we might go on a little bit earlier um, and do skill sessions or systems because we have time. And then the, the big part that our kids have advantage is when they're not on the ice and not in class, they I mean, they, they get to enjoy Western Maine. I mean, we have, they get free golf that's two miles up the road at the country club. They get free skiing at the ski mountain in town. You know, there's, we're on long lakes, so, you know, we've, we've gone swimming and canoeing and ice fishing. You know, there's, there's salmon running that lake, and 
where there's tons of hiking and cross country skiing and snowshoeing. And again, it's, it's that overall package of building for these guys um, of everything that they want to see. And I think the diversity of our campus is sure. We got a, we got a bunch of new Englanders who've seen snow, but it's always great when you see a kid who has never seen an inch of snow in his life show up. And, you know, most of us wear flip flops and he thinks he's on the Arctic circle, you know, running from kind of fun too. So, but the day is, I went ice fishing one time. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's definitely fun. Um, I couldn't stand after about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you know, there's a, Got to page yourself, yeah, mix in water, you know. We, um, last year, we were ice fishing right off uh, our point here, off our beach at school, and caught a couple bass. Uh, my friend is a Maine wildlife guide. He cut the bass up, put it in a fish stew, and then threw the rest of the fish on the ice, and the bald eagles came down and grabbed them 15 feet from us. It was, you know, it was a pretty amazing experience, and, you know, that that is that's awesome when those types of things happen that we can provide for the guys, but it's you know, it, when it's academic times, we expect our guys to be involved in the academics. When it's recovery and rest, there's time for that. So it's we're not going to micromanage their day because that's not what they're going to see in college. So um, there is mandatory study hall. So it's uh, Sunday night through Thursday nights from 8 to 930. Um, if you ask alums what they dislike the most about Bridgeton, it's probably study hall. But then if you ask them in college what has helped them the most, it's also study hall. So it's... Uh, you know, the, the ability to, to, you know, take out some work and get it done um, after a long day of school, practices, travel, whatever, it, it helps the guys. So, yeah, great question, though. For sure. No, I like that. Um, and then I guess for you, I mean, so you're both a teacher uh, and a coach. What do, you, what do you currently teach? Yeah, so um, I am, uh, I teach in the humanities. Um, I've taught you know, uh, this year I'm teaching uh, the American West. I'm teaching right now. I taught history of New England. I've taught in the past American Civil War. Uh, military literature was another really fun course to see and teach. Um, we don't offer a lot of courses like U.S. history, biology, because these guys already have a transcript coming in to say they've taken those classes. So we want to offer them classes that, one, enhance their transcript but at the same time have kind of a more of a college specific field course versus a general studies um, for students who have the ability. We actually, we have what we call a cap program um, and that's a college matriculation program, which basically means that the kids take these certain courses that they get a transcript from Plymouth state university, St. Joseph's college <laughs> or university of Southern Maine. Um, so things like, you know, intro to psychology or <laughs> Vietnam War or digital media. There's a bunch of math and English. But for me, I'm a history guy. Love the history part. Um, my dream one day or, or digital media. There's a bunch of math and English. But for me, I'm a history guy. Love the history part. Um, my dream one day is to live at Gettysburg when I retire and just cut grass out there. That'd be my that's my fantasy. So it's a lot of grass. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of, a lot of grass. <laughs> I'll be all right with that. So how do you uh, balance, uh, as well as teaching, I mean, I guess it's no different than any other job that we have, but obviously you're shaping still young, multiple minds, but uh, going from being a teacher, but also then their coach on the ice. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, I wear a lot of hats. Every faculty member here does, whether it's coaching or admissions or whatever. Um, I make it pretty clear. I'm not too hard to read when, when the attitude needs to be what it needs to be. Um, but it's, it, is, it is a challenge sometimes to juggle what you need to do. But for me, it's, 
when I'm in teaching, I really don't think about hockey too much. I don't think about recruit calls. I don't think about anything. But then once I'm done with my academic responsibility, the hat completely changes. Um, and I get into that, that mode of, as we all, as all coaches and general managers and stuff get to, to what you can do to enhance the program. And, and sometimes they overlap it. Sometimes, you know, I'll be in my, my office at the ice arena and a kid will come up and need some help with some academic work. And thankfully we have the flexibility and I have the experience at this point in my life to kind of, to juggle both. Um, and also the personal stuff too, as a teacher and coach, you, you know, anybody who's involved with kids like this. And um, I think it's very important to understand that these guys are people too. Um, they're not just students. They're not just players. And I can't see them that way. And, you know, whether it's homesickness or, significant other breaks up or has problems at home it's it's you wear a lot of hats for these guys and you know for us at Bridgeton it's there's 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 a great connection that we have that you know we have an alumni game every year for hockey and there's 50 something alums that come back and play and it's it's really neat watching kids who graduated a year or two before who you've connected with now being able to connect a different way and then there's other alums who are older that are showing up introducing you to their wives or their their children and understanding what connection you have. But it's, I think for me, it's, um, you know, whatever my moment is there, whether it's a, a coach, a, a teacher, uh, someone who's helping him edit a paper or helping them through a, a problem personal or otherwise, it's, you make yourself available and that's how you trust have and, you know, builds, I should say. And for us, it's, you know, myself and my wife who also works here. It's, it's not unusual to see guys at our dining room table some nights, um, and it's, I always tell the guys, even if you never play hockey again, you're still one of our boys. And that's an important part for them to understand and realize the, the level of trust that we have in them and hopefully they have in us. So, but no, great question, question there, Trevor. That's a great one. Yeah, no, I, that's awesome. It's fantastic. That's pretty much all I got question wise right now. Well, well, thanks a ton coach for coming on. Uh, you run a great program up at Bridgeton. It's been exciting the last couple of years to see, um, you know, the momentum you guys have created up there and the team keeps getting stronger, it seems, every time I see you guys. So thank you very much for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, guys. It's been an honor to, to talk to you guys. Definitely. Thanks Appreciate for coming on. The, uh, opportunity. All right, Trevor. So what would you think of Coach Mike at Bridgeton, and what was uh, kind of enlightening for you? First of all, unfortunately, the listeners, this is only a listening experience, not a visual, but uh, epic beard. Love the beard. Um, Definitely looks like uh, he's been growing that one for a while. But I was, it was very fascinating to me, especially, you know, learning how the day-to-day life works um, as a postgraduate player. uh, Sorry, not postgraduate. That sounds like we're way too far advanced in college, but as a post-senior uh, you know, especially I was interested from a coaching perspective, not only is it for the players, but for him as well as being a teacher and a coach. Um, and again, with living on the dorm, like within the dorms and such like that, um, I can only, you know, he even said it himself, you know, with the different hats he has to wear. And I, I, I can't even imagine, you know, just being me being a single coach, you know, the different hats that I have to wear. Whereas he's got to do it not only as, as a teacher too, but also, you know, if he's running a, a dorm overseeing it. So I really enjoyed it. It was very informative for me. Um, so, I mean, thanks again to Coach Mike for coming out. But what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he runs a unique program. And, um, 
you know, Bridgeton, you know, in my 10 years here in New Hampshire, uh, Bridgeton was always a name that has been in Maine forever. I mean, it's got a school history that date back over 200 years, he said. Um, but about, I thought he was kidding at first, but I know he was not I kidding. Know, I, a, I thought I was like, Oh, this we're real old school. They're playing so hockey sticks okay. with like two by fours back then on a frozen pond somewhere. <laughs> Jesus was the goalie and he was saving everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just lost our, uh, Christian. Group. Yeah. They're out of here. Anyhow. Sorry. Followers. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, in the mid two thousands or maybe like 2009, eight, somewhere around that ballpark, uh, John Lounsbury was the coach there. Uh, and he did a really good job with that program. They had two teams at that time. And then they went through a little bit of a change. It became a huge expansion in junior hockey. Um, and junior hockey got younger. And there were so many leagues popping up in like 2010, 2011, 12. There was a big shift here on the East Coast. And Bridgeton, it became a little, little bit tougher for them to recruit. And they kind of took a little bit of a slide uh, in terms of, you know, not only the teams that they could play, but also like the strength of their schedule and their ability to recruit kids. Um, but the last three, four years, they've gotten stronger every year. And I really credit um, Coach Mike for doing a, a great job there. He's really tied into that program. And they've had some good coaches in the past, um, but he's really built on some of their success that was laid in front of them. So uh, it's been fun to watch that program. All right. And again, it sounded really uh, – it was all interesting and new to me, as we've already been discussing you know, previously earlier in the, this episode. So – I, again, like I said, I can't, you know, thank him enough for coming on and explaining more about his program, but also, you know, how the whole prep model works. Absolutely. That brings us to our five myths for the week. Are you ready to go, Trevor? Uh, I'm going to do the best I can here. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, now we're, uh, yeah. we're both, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're both high school hockey player alumni. I played at Manasquan High School in Manasquan, New Jersey. You played high school hockey where, Trevor? I was at uh, Bartlett High School in uh, Bartlett, Illinois. So yeah, we're both alum. We both of high school hockey. We both yes. played high school hockey. So uh, I thought it'd be a good topic of discussion: the five myths of high school hockey. All right. Uh, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you do I got the start, or you got the start here? I got number one: the development model. Okay. Okay. And I wanted to talk about a little bit about what we have here in New Hampshire. Uh, they only play games on Wednesdays and Saturday nights. They have Sundays off. Um, and I remember talking to a coach in, you know, the lobby at the Merrill Fair Arena. And he was like, you know, like players have such a great opportunity to get better. They skate six days a week and we have all these amenities and this and that. And I was like, yeah, but like I know how I plan out my week for a junior schedule. I got five days of practice and I can go a battle day. I can do details. I can do power play, penalty kill, all these things leading up to our two weekend games. If I had to do... Right. Uh, practice, day before a game practice, then game, then the day after a game, and then the day before a game, and then a game, where do I fit in skills? Where do I fit in um, a lot of different things in terms of the development model um, for, for making those players better? So I always think the high school development model is actually flawed. They should try to change it more like the way the junior teams and college teams the way they do their development model. And I think they would have some better players and players would be more attracted to playing at that level. Your thoughts? Um, you know, my thing is with the development, again, as we talked about earlier, um, just kind of the difference between high school hockey here, even in the Midwest, um, and I'm using the Chicagoland area, for example. Um, you know, I think players right now, depending, again, depending um, on the schools, 
they're getting more out of the club level uh, out here, uh, especially with, you know, the amount of reps and amount of touches they get. Um, We've got some high schools that practice twice a week. Uh, We've got, you know, club teams at the same, you know, midget levels, age groups that are on the ice three, four times a week. Uh, The amount of games, you know, there's probably a little, there's overlap there um, with the amount, you know, quality or quantity wise. But again, it's, you know, we're playing also, you know, a lot of these schools, sometimes they're watered down, as you mentioned before. And again, coaching wise, I'm, I'm, I don't want to drag anyone under the mud because I think there's coach, great coaches at all levels. Um, but you tend to see more of the, you know, again, unless you're playing in, you know, some of the top high school programs in this state, you do see a lot of those more quality coaches that are going to be at the, at the club level because there's just more going on um, compensation wise. Sometimes it's, it's more now, you know, again, it all depends, but I, I would say yes, in the sense of, I agree that development wise, you've got at least out here in Chicago, while everybody's trying to win, you've get more ice that is geared towards skill development. That is geared towards, you know, you know, concept development because again you've got kids that are 14 15 who they're not going to be on you know unless they're on varsity right away they've they, they're still developing and i think that's kind of uh well i won't use that one yet but i'll say that but uh yeah that uh basically i i don't disagree with what you said um and i think that again depending on where you are well, what state you live in this and that but it depends on the school that you're going to and it depends on what your options are at that age group and where, with where you live. So I'm not going to say I disagree because I don't disagree, um, but I'm also not going to say it's 100% uh, fact. How does that sound? I think this is the first time where I'm not completely on board. It's not that I'm against it, but I think, again, where we've got high schools out here who are on the ice more than I am on the ice. Yeah. So And there could be some – It know, all depends. In, in certain states you might play a, a, a schedule that's Friday-Saturday or Saturday-Sunday. Right, uh, but I heard in New Hampshire it's a real tough one. That Wednesday Saturday slots, it's like, and then not not to mention you, you mentioned, you know, the development. I mean, physically, that's the the prime age for you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen to be in the gym. And when when can you fit in workouts if your if your schedule's like that? So I think there, you know, that there there is some room for flexibility. And maybe if I could change it a little bit, I would change that here in New Hampshire. What do you got for number two, Trevor? Number two is essentially high school hockey is not as good of an experience as club hockey. Um, and I find that out here, again, and I'm speaking from where I'm at and where I live. I, I go and watch 18U games, you know, AAA, AA. And who's up in the stands? It's mom and dad, you know, or maybe your girlfriend or whatever. You're sitting around there. Um, that's about it, really. But I've also been to some really good again, not all, but some good high school hockey games where it's literally just packed to the brim with, you know, your, your schoolmates, you know, now your girlfriends, your parents, like all of that combined. Um, and I think that's what truly makes the high school hockey experience great. Now, unfortunately not every school out here in Chicago has that opportunity, uh, but the ones that do and that I've been at, and again, you know, I, Bartlett High School, I'm um, freshman year, JV, we went to state finals. We were in the state finals, <laughs> um, the championship, and we played a good Glenbrook South team uh, who had more upperclassmen than us, but I'm not judging. And we, long story short, I mean, 
I think we were down like 5-1 after the, you know, going into the third or something. or And like but going out there, like it felt like half the school was there. And this is all at the edge where the, you know, the Steel used to play. Blackhawks used to practice. Inside there, you know, their NHL rink. Um, and it was just packed with people. And, you know, again, half the kids there could care less what was going on. But <laughs> it was a social event. But still, it was awesome playing in front of that. I'd never experienced that before. You know, I had chills. Like, um, then when we're getting our butts kicked, like half of, half of everybody left. But I'm now, you know, like last year, my uh, assistant coach and I, we went to um, a couple games. We went to uh, St. Vider, which is a private school out here in the Chicago land area. It used to be part of the Catholic League school. Uh, they're now part of the uh, Scholastic Hockey League, which they're doing a phenomenal job. I know their hockey director, Tim Benz. Uh, he's actually the my boss for my uh, club team right now, but he's done a great job transforming that. Um, went to two of their games that they played in, and it was just like the atmosphere was just unreal. It's something that, again, you don't experience. The students are there. Parents are there. You got students from both schools there. Um, you know, it's it's just so, so much more than you get out of the AA um, level, even AAA. So, uh, you know, the myth that no oh, high school hockey is just kind of, you know, it's not as fun, the atmosphere. Um, I, and again, you don't hear it too often, but cause I was pressed for time to try and come up with my myth. That was mine. So, I mean, that's where I was at with that. No, and I, and I agree with you. I think when it's done right, um, high school hockey can be a really special time for a lot of kids. Uh, and you can have that, you know, the fire engines with you wait to stay, win a state championship coming through town and, and you got a yeah. packed barn, you know, pet band, the whole thing. It can be a really, really great experience. So I, I, I agree with you. I would encourage you know, if you're in a position, like you said, if you're if you get an opportunity to coach high school hockey, uh, I see a lot of guys who are kind of hold on to that position here in New Hampshire, and uh, yeah. you know, make the most of it because it can be a, a kid, one of the kid's best four years of his life for sure. Absolutely. All right. All right. So, what do you got for number three? Number three, I got Minnesota versus the world. As you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Minnesota high school hockey does it right. Uh, their high school hockey is, is that is the, the, the level that you can see kids getting drafted out of the from the NHL out of Minnesota high school hockey, get drafted into the USHL, uh, right out of Minnesota high school hockey. Um, so that's a different, different beast. It's almost like a category you have to kind of put into its own category, but the, uh, so to compare Minnesota high school hockey to other high school hockey experiences, I don't think is a fair comparison. You got to kind of look what the vast majority of, of high school hockey experiences look like. So my number three is, is the comparison, the myth of, yeah. of Minnesota high school hockey versus everybody else. <laughs> um, and everybody else is not the same experience for sure. You know, we had kids in this program who play uh, high school hockey down in Georgia and they were like, Oh man, it was, it was a nightmare. It was like, uh, you know, you have out there kid. It was basically the mighty ducks. Kids are with no pads. They can't skate. Uh, so their their only really option to play hockey was to play AAA or AA for whatever program they were playing with down south, um, and we have that experience. And in New Jersey, when I when I was growing up, uh, you know, we had some good teams, we had some good local teams that we were competing against, but it certainly wasn't like Minnesota high school hockey, and it certainly wasn't like the Ducks. So it's such a wide variety of experiences within that high school experience. Right, and it's, as you said, it's different for every you know region, every state, um, and you know, again. I think Minnesota does it the right way, but they've also been set up that way from kind of inception where 
that model would work here in Illinois, um, would work here in other Midwest states. The problem is it's just we're so far along that it would there's too much buy-in that would be needed. And again, you'd be cutting off, you know, a lot of these clubs, a lot of these guys who are getting paid full time, you know, hockey wise. You know, this is their career and they're coaching two or three, you know, double A teams or two triple A teams. Well, oh hey, guess what? Now all of a sudden we're gonna we're gonna cut your season short in the middle here. Um, then you know the kids will come back and play after high school. It's just too much. So yeah, I mean Minnesota versus the world. I, again, I'm a big advocate of what they're doing is right. Um, but it is tough to sell and it's tough to you know compare one to the other because it's just just where you're born, <laughs> where you live. Absolutely. What do you got for number four, Trevor? Uh, number four is, and again, this is, again, a lot of this is, uh, I've come to realize between what we've been talking about is, you know, location-based, but that uh, number four is that high school is not a good, does not provide a good route to uh, advanced hockey or advancing your hockey career, and I think that's false. Um, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of out here, as I said before, it's a lot of kind of recruiting because you can because there's no rules that say, you know, a, a club team or a AAA team can't recruit against, a, you know, a college or not college, a high school team. So in some sense, I've actually seen some of the better players in the state play for their high schools. And again, we're talking about the quality high school teams. Um, and those kids move on. They play, you know, tier three, uh, tier two, um, where you've got some others that go and play AAA that – they're done. They're burnt out because they're just they're like, oh, you know, they're, they've played hockey for so long. They never even got to that high school experience. So I don't think that it's fair to pigeonhole, you know, high school hockey is something that can't provide a route for you further down. And it might not even be, you know, juniors or division one, division two, II, division three. It might just be ACHA hockey. I mean, that's right. Great. I'm not the person in the career you should use, but you know, that's where I did. And a lot of my buddies did. We, we left high school and we went right to ACHA, you know, D2 I mean, D1, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, my stepbrother was one of those kids who played AAA growing all up. And then I think his senior year, he just went and he was actually in a uh, private school academy. Um, that wasn't for hockey, but that's where he, you know, they had a hockey team and he went right into ACHA hockey. So there is a line of develop, like, a I guess a line to the next level through high school, and it's not just through AAA and AA. I don't care what anyone says. Um, again, everybody, you got to navigate the course yourself. You got to figure out what fits best for you for what you want to do. Um, and then again, you know, as we've talked about in other you know episodes, you got to be your own advocate and try and find your own way to that next level. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that you know playing high school hockey can be a really enriching experience and if you're a kid who's on the fence about wanting to play at the next level you can have a great high school hockey career that can reignite that passion play in front of fans and family and part of a town community so i don't i don't think high school hockey uh closes any doors i think it has the opportunity to open more doors sometimes um absolutely what, what i struggle with sometimes with with regards to that is when coaches uh and states governing bodies put so many restrictions I think we talked in an earlier episode about that rule in New Hampshire. If you miss a pro, if you miss anything related to a high school sport in favor of another outside school activity, uh, that you're suspended from all school activities for two weeks, um, and that really That's... it really hurts the product here in New Hampshire at the high school level. Kids have to choose one or the other, and it's a real struggle. Uh, we had a player in our league 
uh, about six years ago. Actually, this past week, he was the Hockey East Player of the Week at Boston University. He's Matt Brown. He played in the EHL his first year of junior hockey. And while he was nice. playing junior hockey, he also played for Tenafly High School in New Jersey. My buddy Andy Escala was the coach there, and they had a wagon with him, uh, <laughs> you know, tearing <laughs> it up. And, you know, if, if, and I think on those kind of things, you just have to like, if instead of the state making a rule, why don't the coaches and the team say, we can welcome this kid or we cannot welcome this kid? And if you, my culture says, bringing in a kid and throw him on the power play doesn't work. But if he, if he wants to be here and he's going to make practice and will that extra effort, well, then kudos to him. He, he deserves that. Right. You know, so I think every situation is different. We've said that a bunch of times. Um, but I think, you know, giving more responsibility to the coaches and, and, the, and the players rather than making an arbitrary rule from the state representatives is, 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 a, is your best bet. Uh, another funny example, and I won't bore you with this one too much. We had a local high school coach here, who I've probably referenced a couple times. He actually locked his kids. He would have a key to the locker room. He locked his kids' sticks in a different room because he found that the kids were playing on the pond. Uh, they, they had a one-hour practice. They didn't do any workouts or anything like that. They had one-hour practice, and he thought the kids were tiring themselves out on the pond too much after, so he would lock their sticks in the locker room and not allow them to use it. <laughs> And I thought that was the most embarrassing response a coach or a, an adult could ever have. No fun I here. Can't believe that you can't look at I can't those things believe away. That flu. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, shit. Stay out of your own way, coaches. Let kids be kids. Let them choose. Let them do what they want to do. You know, out here, we've, um, as you alluded to, you know, the governing body, you know, AHI, the American Hockey Association of Illinois, um, they kind of don't have their hands on like the high school, like, okay, you can or can't do this. It's more or less up to the clubs. And again, there are clubs like that say, you know, we'll allow you to double roster, play club and high school. Um, and like this year for my, for example, my team, I've got a couple kids that are double roster to play for their high schools. Um, my rule though was like, Hey, you know what? Your parents are paying a lot of money to play here where at the high schools, knowing the high schools are at, it's not as serious. So it's like, my expectation is that you're going to be here for our practices and our games over the other team um, where there are co coaches and clubs that are like, no, I mean like you're here or you're not playing for us. Like that's it. So um, I kind of wish there was a little bit more flexibility. And again, it all comes back to, I wish we had a better high school, like the midget level, wish we had a better um, not curriculum, but like program set up where schedule wise so that we could do both. But we don't, but that's the only nice thing out here is that we do have that ability, that autonomy to kind of like decide what we want. But yeah, I don't think I would ever lock any kids' uh, sticks up in a, another room just so they can't go have fun. I mean, that's like, that's holy cow, like old man yells at a cloud, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got for number five there, Coach? Number five is glory days. Glory days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my, my take on that is, you know, high school hockey can be can be one of the most fun experiences of your hockey career. Um, it can be one of the most enjoyable experiences. You grow up with these kids for, you know, 12, 11, 12 years, all through your schooling experience. Don't be a parent that ruins it for the other parents. Don't be. What do you mean by that? <laughs> or don't be that. Uh, don't be one of those things that could like get in the way of, of, of a kid's special experience playing high school hockey. 
Uh, we had a we had a parent up here who uh, there was a kid who was who was playing high school hockey, but he also was playing travel hockey. Uh, but the coach made it work, uh, and then but he missed the practice for his, the high school team to go to a, a game for um, his travel team, and a, a coach on an opposing or a parent on an opposing team reported that to the state, so the kid couldn't play in the state playoffs. And I thought like. And that's almost like the cat eye thing, like we were talking about. Like, do you really want to be that parent who wins that game for your kid that badly? Like, he missed a practice. He could have been sick. He could have had, you know, kids miss practice for all sorts of reasons. We're talking practice here, but, man. But the kid was practice. the kid was missing practice <laughs> because he wanted to like get better talking at hockey, practice. like do more hockey. Right. Like, don't hold the kid back. Like, don't ruin that experience. And uh, so I would say, like. If you can make if if if, if your prime hockey uh, experience is your high school hockey experience, don't let anybody get in the way of that. Don't let parents get in the way of that. Administrators get in the way of that. Just go out and have your your four years of glory, and that's it. And again, is I was fortunate again out here in Illinois. We've got a lot of over the years with the amount of double A clubs, uh, you know, even triple A teams that they've added in the last. I don't know, 15 years since I've graduated. Uh, great. Glad I remember that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's um, – they've had a lot of schools that were like myself where I went to Bartlett. We, were, we had a varsity and a JV. Well, Bartlett has to combine with four or five other schools now just to be able to have a team. Um, so, I mean, I was very fortunate that every kid that I played with in high school – and, I, again, I played all four years – I was in high school with, like, I saw them every day, whether I liked them or not, you know, that's a different story, but you know, we all got those teammates and hell, I might've been that one for some, most of them. Um, but that being said, you know, that's, a, that, it was an awesome experience. And again, especially we, that freshman year when we were going, we went state and we were in the you know championship hockey's not considered a school sport. You know, we can use it. It's a club still. We can use the team name, the school name, this and that, but like they actually acknowledged us throughout the school. Um, and that was a great experience. You know, so you talk about those glory days, like being able to be like, Oh, you play on the hockey team. I mean, my, uh, what was my biology teacher freshman year? She actually came out and watched one of the state games. And again, his biology freshman year, first period. What is what Trevor doing? Trevor is, was Trevor hot for teacher? No, no. Well, she was a good-looking teacher. I won't <laughs> lie about that. But no, no. There was no uh, Van Halen in the background. But uh, but she came in the games because uh, there's a couple kid freshmen on the team that uh, so she was there. But I was actually the one sitting in class who probably slept through most of the class, anyways. But <laughs> she she comes in and she goes after the game. She goes, I went and watched the high school game. You know, the JV boys playing their state game last night and. She goes, none of you guys would know this, but, you know, I know Trevor's always, like, always in back. He's quiet, you know, but when he's on the ice, he's just a mad dog out there. And I was just like, no offense, it's only your class that I'm really this quiet and sleeping (laughs) through. But, uh, you know, I mean, just, like, even for the teachers to be involved, like, it was just, again, those glory days. Like, I remember teams we played. I remember, you know, the high schools and the games. And, granted, I don't remember all the scores in every single game, but I I remember all of that stuff. And it. It does. It, it was, it was awesome. It was that, that experience. Nobody can ever take that away from you and, and away from us. Um, you know, my classmates. And as you said, you know, as someone reporting, like, let, let them be kids, let them have fun, you know, at, at that age. Um, 
And unless you've got rules in place, like where, okay, you got to pick one or the other, which again, you know, it depends, it depends on the situation. But again, as you said, you know, those, I'm not, I'm never going to forget that. Again, I'm still remembering that. And that was oh shit. Almost 20 years ago when the teacher made that comment. And I was like, can you speak up a little louder for the hot girls in the back too? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like those, that types of stuff. But well, just like we said, like, you know, like we referenced a coach locking sticks away. We referenced a parent reporting, uh, kids in a state game. We referenced uh, the rules that the state is putting in place so you prevent kids from, you know, getting more opportunities to play hockey. Check yourself sometimes, human beings. Check yourself. Like, we're talking about <laughs> hockey and we're talking about kids having a great experience. Don't be the reason you ruined a kid's experience. Don't be the reason you ruined Absolutely. a team's experience. Allow them to have their moment in the sun. Allow them to have their glory days and then you'll have another chance to ruin somebody else's life but <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. well, give, exactly. give them their moment you know right no and again i agree i guess as i said i agreed that uh sometimes i think we get in our our well, not only we you and i because we're perfect humans but other people <laughs> get get in the way of uh you know others you know just step off just step back let them have it so yeah i, I agree i loved uh i miss my you know a lot of things you, you look back and you know you're like oh i wish i would have done this this or that or instead but again you know Get one one opportunity to play uh, high school hockey. I mean, unless you're you know for four years, and um, man, I mean, it was fun. It was uh, it was a blast. And again, I've got those memories plus some others that I can or cannot share on the podcast. Um, but uh, you know, nothing that's criminal activity uh, if anyone's <laughs> listening. But uh, yeah, so again, those those days are great. Um, and again, you know, whenever I see those guys that I played with, you know. You know, if we're reminiscing, you know, we've got that bond forever. That stories, we've, you know, those situations. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that uh, those five myths there, and I hope everybody else did too. But uh, any uh, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, close out here for this week? No, maybe we'll we'll plan on fielding some questions for next week's ep- or next episode coming up. Hopefully, we address some topics this week with you know answering some questions about the route to college hockey, prep school hockey, high school hockey, travel hockey, academy hockey. Hopefully we provided some clarity. It's a confusing space, though. And uh, maybe if we get some questions for the, from the audience and our Twitter followers, we can uh, even tackle it a little, even, even more in a future episode because I know there's plenty of other coaches here on the East Coast who uh, have a lot of great feedback and a lot of good insight. No, definitely, yeah. And again, to those I asked uh, about almost a month ago about uh, what what's some hockey vocabulary you want us to uh, try and dissect a little bit, I haven't forgotten about yet. We just haven't had a chance to fit it into the uh, the pod yet. So. But uh, last thing, real quick, I just want to say that I have been enjoying the uh, Hockey Planner uh, little newsletters come out. We actually just did the Fairfield uh, two verse one the other day. What it took about a minute for the kids to really get it, and then right after that, we went we went right into it full speed, and it. Uh, it's been added to my uh, my practice. Uh, some of my favorite. Let's put it. Uh, we'll say practice drills. That's so great. Anybody out there, please check the show notes as well as um, check out the uh, Substack for the Hockey Planner. That's from Coach Trimble here. A lot of valuable and great information, as well as uh, for everybody, parents, players, coaches, and uh, I've already gained something out of it. And it was free for me, so well, free for everybody. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I, I I like doing it. Like I. I like, so, so, you know, that software we're talking about with, or, or you put on, uh, I think it was the, not the coach's site. What's the uh, ice hockey systems. Like I'm, yep. I'm not a, 
from from doing uh, that's how I gather that information for drills better is like when it's on a on, so I'm so used to seeing it drawn up with a dry erase so right my, my dad already said he already like uh replied back to one of the things he's like hey you need a new dry erase board I can get you a new dry erase board. <laughs> like it, it makes sense to me so I know like other coaches it makes sense to you know if I have like one of those perfect sense with, with dots or like something that's computer-based like it would take me longer to do it and I probably wouldn't capture as, as much of it as I would just doing it the way I've always seen it, which is on the driver's board. So right. That's why I'm doing it like I that. I mean, everybody's everybody's got their thing, but I think you should check your uh, email for my hockey systems. There might be a gift for you there. Oh, okay. Um, not trying to hide anything here, but uh, the guys at the ice hockey systems definitely hooked you up. So oh, I, I got to check, check that out. But definitely, uh, you should. But yeah, it was great, and uh, we enjoyed it. So awesome. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. So uh, I'm Trevor DiCarlo. Andrew Trimble. And uh, we will see you guys uh, next time.